0: So I think. I have a burp. Sorry. Should I cut that? (laughs) Okay.
1: Hi, I'm Steve Gaynor, and you're listening to Tone Control, Conversations with Video Game Developers. And today, I'm talking to Mariel Cartwright. Hi! <laughs> uh, Mariel, uh, you most likely know her work from Skullgirls and the upcoming Indivisible. Uh, thanks for being here to chat with me, Mariel.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah,
1: I'm... Uh, I'm. So, you know, you'll be hearing this uh, after the fact, but uh, I am in L.A. for IndieCade, which is Mariel's... Hometown? Yeah. 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 Um, so it was a good opportunity to sit down and, and talk about, uh, you know, your work and your mm-hmm. art style. And, and the, I, I feel like the games that you've worked on, um, your art style is such a big part of their identity mm-hmm. that it's, it's interesting to talk to someone where it's sort of like, I feel like when you think of Skullgirls or you think of Indivisible, you're thinking of your art. And so, like... Being kind of like having that relationship to the games you worked on right. must be kind of intense,
0: right? Uh, I mean, well, with, with Skullgirls, I would say that the art style belongs more to um, the creative director and art director, um, Alex Ahad. Okay, but I think I was hired for that project because my art style kind of lent itself to his really yeah. easily.
1: It, um, it feels like from what I know of your art and of Skullgirls and, yeah, uh, Indivisible is coming up, it, it feels like it all very naturally kind yeah. of fits into that, yeah, that yeah, same yeah. space. It's, yeah.
0: it's not me doing a ton of work to kind of, like, fit myself into this different box. It's right. just stuff that comes very naturally to Cool.
1: Me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, before we get to uh, the specific stuff that you've worked on most recently, um, I mean, I, I like to just find out about how people got to where they are. Um, mm-hmm. so, so you're from L.A.? Yeah. Um, born and raised here, etc. Yeah. 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 Um, um, I,
0: I spent two years um, in the Bay Area growing mm-hmm. up, but otherwise have pretty much just always been in L.A.
1: Cool. Um, and are you somebody who just, you re- were doing art since before you can remember, and it's always been, like, your thing?
0: Um. So with me, uh, I would say, I guess my, my dad was um, a Disney animator. Right. So he, he worked at, like, he started at Disney, and then he went to, like, DreamWorks and Sony's, like, bounced around all the big studios. But I think he's most known for, for being a Disney animator.
1: Okay. So and, so he was a, like, traditional hand, yeah, hand-drawn animator yeah. in, like... But seventies and eighties,
0: nineties. Um, eighties, nineties. Yeah. Uh, he, God, what did he start on? I think he started on Pete's Dragon.
1: Okay. Cool. Um, <laughs>
0: and and he was like animating on stuff like uh, Aladdin is the big one. Oh wow. Uh, he was the, the lead animator on the Magic Carpet.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the Magic Carpet. So, a I rewatched Aladdin relatively recently, oh, really? so the Magic Carpet is kind of like fresh in my <laughs> mind along with everything else. But um, it's
0: been a while for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure that you were watching things yeah, stuff I, I all the it, time yeah, when I you're. Seen it a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, um, but it was whatever. It was one of those VHS tapes that like my wife's family had, oh, so she yeah, had seen it yeah. like a thousand times, right. and I was like, let's watch it again. But it was cool seeing things like you know, the, the Magic Carpet seems like one of those classic animator fun problems where it's like how do you take this rectangle and give it life and make it a character and everything that's cool so so he was working on like feature film yeah so so feature
0: feature animation for a long time then he kind of started working more in like storyboarding yeah and just uh let's see he was he was co-head of story on shrek (laughs)
1: <laughs> wow <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I see I knew your dad was like an animator and yeah, I did not yeah, know yeah. the Shrek lore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like since since I think leaving Disney he's been more in the story department and, okay. stuff. Um, and I think that's kind of where he's been since and yeah. he's just kind of bounced around.
1: Well how did he get started in, in animation? He like went to school for it and, He like
0: uh, I think he just he made like flip books as a kid. Oh, yeah, wow, just, cool. Just, Uh, Always into film and animation. He worked at Disneyland for a little while as one of the costume characters. Oh, really? Yeah, he was like dopey years and that. Oh my god! All right. (laughs) And then then I think, and then I think, just went from Disneyland to Disney animation. Yeah,
1: Yeah. Um, man, that's like that's such a wonderful, just sort of like (laughs) work your way up thing. It's like I was wearing the dopey suit and. and, (laughs) was making flip books. Right. Uh, anyway, fast forward, the yeah. um, we're making this thing called track. Like <laughs>
0: No, that's that's awesome.
1: So so you were, I assume, like just kind of around animation yeah, and yeah. illustration your whole life. And yeah. did you like spend time like visiting the Disney studios where yeah, you got both and stuff like that? I went
0: a bunch. Um, cool. did you know, whenever my dad started at like a new studio, we would take like a little studio tour and yeah. um, stuff like that. And I think also being half Japanese, you know, my, my mom brought in, like, you know, we would watch, like, Miyazaki movies as a right. kid, you yeah. know, and, and all that stuff was never, like, foreign yeah. to me. It was just kind of, like, part of my yeah. upbringing. Yeah. So I'll I, note that
1: you're wearing, like, a very good Evangelion oh, yeah. shirt today, uh, <laughs> remaining on brand. Right. Well, I mean, and that's something, I think that, like, outwardly, that's one of the kind of most distinctive things about your art style is that it feels like very much it comes from both like a western disney-ish perspective with a very like japanese anime style applied to it which is cool so did you go did you get to uh visit japan as a kid as well we
0: we would go every couple years um i'm still i'm still not fluent my japanese is very conversational yeah but um I mean, yeah, it was It was still just, like, a big part of my upbringing. Yeah, um, yeah just, yeah. yeah, just always been around that stuff. It just came very naturally to me.
1: That's rad, yeah. I mean, I think that I feel like, you know, when when I talk to a lot of developers, either for, like, something like this interview or just when we were talking, it, it feels like there's always some aspect of... Having access to, or just kind of being ambiently in the presence of things like, oh yeah, my parents had computers at home, so I just kind of was always on the computer. So it was natural to start, you know, making games. Or and it seems like you know, just being a kid and just having, without having to like seek it out, be like, look at these amazing Keebley films, and it's just sort of like a lot of. I think a lot of kids. Well, A, it feels to me like it's both like being exposed to the media and also like seeing people in your, like seeing your dad work on this stuff, being mm-hmm. like, oh, that's a thing people can do. Right, like making right. it probably feel a little more yeah, accessible as I, like a I vocation. I
0: I feel very fortunate because I hear, you know, from a lot of other artist friends that their parents were against it, they didn't understand it, they were okay with it, but they didn't think it should be a job because it doesn't make money. Right. So I feel really fortunate that from just the beginning... I, I knew that it was a viable thing. And, and at the very start, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Like, for a long time, I wanted to work in comics. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: I didn't actually want to work at Disney because I actually saw, like, my dad would come home from work, like, you know, and execs had, like, destroyed everything he loved and, oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Um. So so I kind of knew a lot of the, the bureaucracy that kind of happens at big studios, and I actually didn't want to be part of that. Yeah. And I still don't, I think. Um. So, so for a long time, I just wanted to work in comic books, and this whole time, just growing up, uh, I played video games my whole life, and we, I think, like the first thing I would play was, my dad had an Atari 800, yeah, and so we had stuff on that, but then I think when I was six, my parents got me a Genesis, because apparently, this is, this is what I was told, I don't remember this, <laughs> Um, they were playing commercials for Sonic all the time on TV, right. and I would just tell them that I wanted that. <laughs> I, sh- I needed that. I needed Sonic. Um, I want the
1: blue hedgehog, mommy. Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: so so they got me a Genesis for my sixth birthday, and I think that's where it really kind of kicked off. That's and, awesome. Yeah, Genesis, Sega CD, Saturn. Like, I, I stuck with, like, the Sega consoles growing up. Yeah. And then my brother got a PlayStation, and then he started doing, like, more like PlayStation, Nintendo stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, so yeah. you
1: were you were on the like weird like B side console, <laughs> know, yeah. but not like so I so like our 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 uh, 3D uh, artist at at Fulbright, Kate. Um, she was like, oh yeah, I was a TurboGrafx 16 kid, <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> okay. Like you were just like big into Bonk yeah. when, you, when you were growing up. Like that's a whole other level, yeah. but. Um, no, that that's that's interesting. So like did did um do you feel like I guess how do you feel like the the stuff that you were playing when you were growing up mm-hmm. that maybe was like you weren't you know playing like Mario or whatever right. from the beginning. How do you feel like that that has influenced kind of how you think about games, or which of those games do you kind of go back to when you think of what really, like, stuck um, out to you? Well, you so
0: came. I was I was obsessed with Sonic yeah. from age, like, 6 to 12. That was just my entire life. And so um, you're
1: saying there is a ton of Sonic fan art. Right. Oh, God, boxes. <laughs> boxes and boxes.
0: I, I wish I could just, like, take a photo of just, like, all the pages, <laughs> printer paper. Well, I remember, built.
1: I mean, you've posted some of your yeah. childhood drawings <laughs> are very good. Have you po- have you put po- some of that been Sonic stuff that you've like um, posted for your? Yeah, when you were a kid? I, I think I, I posted like. some
0: Sonic stuff. It's still at my parents' house. I should yeah. go like dig it up. Some of it is really weird. Oh, I'm like,
1: sure. Yeah. <laughs> for different yeah. reasons. Like a the probability that Sonic fan art is kind of weird yeah. is just high in general. <laughs> right, very right, right.
0: Um yeah, like all the Sonic games, um the Sonic Archie comics I was obsessed with which kind of told?
1: Wait, that happened.
0: Yeah, Wait, there, there are was were you, a Sonic Archie unaware? crossover. Yes. Uh, well, so it was Archie was the publisher.
1: Okay. And, okay. And
0: are you aware of the um like Sonic had a Saturday morning cartoon? I do had, remember like, that. Its, its own kind of universe. Yeah. Um, it was a little like not it not necessarily darker, but it it had a very different tone than I yeah. think the rest of like Sega Sonic. Okay. Um. And and Well after that, that time anyway. Yeah. Because now <laughs> we've got deep on the that's lore. That's true, that's true. <laughs> it's very dramatic now. Um, but but that was a big part of just I think that was a big part of why I wanted to go into comics, because yeah. you know, they would release these issues monthly and oh, I would have okay. a subscription and yeah. just read them every month and draw fan art and kind of create like my own little worlds and yeah. stuff. Lots of OCs <laughs> 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 you know?
1: That's rad. Um, yeah, I mean I think like I in in a sort of similar way When I was growing up, I played, you know, a lot of Nintendo games and stuff, and um, had Nintendo Power, and, like, I would draw a ton of, like, drawing my own levels for games that I liked, you know, or, like, here's a new, like, whatever, for, like, the Teenage Ninja Turtles game, what if they went to this, you know, those sorts of things, and I think that kind of taking those starting points when you're a kid and kind of projecting your own you know, right. like like creativity into it is, yeah, is really exactly. natural, yeah. So that that's interesting that um yeah, that you, you thought you were or that you wanted to go into comics originally over animation. Like did do did, did you you know, I, I assume you did like flipbooks and stuff like that yeah, when you a were bit, a kid, yeah. but like what made you at that time more drawn to 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 you know non animated uh, art as what you um, were kind of yeah
0: so so I think just just being brought up around animation I felt like I didn't want to just do the same thing as my dad yeah um, and at the time I didn't think I didn't even really realize that video games could be a job right and I think it's it's a like the same train of thought that goes through a lot of people's heads it's like oh I didn't know people actually make these they just right. kind of exist yeah, right yeah. So so you know comics I could do comics I could just make yeah, on my own. For and sure. so for the longest time I yeah just like all through my teens I wanted to just work in comics. Yeah. And um I had a little bit I wouldn't say experience but like I kind of like drew up some pitches and kind of like talked to publishers and stuff and it never went anywhere because it was terrible. <laughs> but you know just being 16 yeah. and you know all that. But for some reason I don't I don't know what it was exactly but you know I was getting the end of high school, and I thought, well, animation teaches, like going to school, going to college for animation would have you learn like a lot of different disciplines. You have to learn how to make stories, you have to learn how to storyboard, you have to learn how to animate, obviously. Um, You have to learn a little bit about film. So I just figured that going into animation would teach me a lot of different things that I could take one of those paths. Sure. Which is funny because still at that point, video games... Wasn't one of the paths that I was thinking of, even though yeah. throughout my entire life I'd been playing.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I uh, I went to CalArts for character animation. Okay. And it wasn't until the first year there that I met, um, you know, who's now one of my closest friends, John Kim. Hmm. And we just bonded like immediately over our shared love of Sega stuff. Yeah. Sega them. and Sonic <laughs> and, and all that. And around then it hit me that, oh, actually I want to work in video games like I didn't I didn't think it was possible but people make them yeah I could maybe I could make them so while I was at CalArts I actually tried to focus my uh, like the the skills I learned there more into 3D because I just figured that all games are 3D you know that's that's just kind of the way it would have to be and the way just happened to work out is that I've just done two D stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And and I haven't I haven't really like touched three D animation in years now because it's just right. kinda worked out that around like while I was in college, uh, Way Forward is a studio that's actually very close to CalArts. They're oh, okay. they're just like I mean, they're in town.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um so Way Forward would come to CalArts and kinda just like talk to students and a lot of students kinda took jobs at Way Forward after yeah, you know, CalArts. So it just kinda like happened that I started very early on, kind of working with WayForward, and then that kind of turned into, you know, the stuff that I'm doing now.
1: Right. And WayForward, um, they, they, I mean, I, I think kind of as you're noting, they exclusively have done 2D stuff, right?
0: Uh, they have yes. some 3D, yeah. Okay, they, but, but they, the,
1: the stuff I the stuff I can think of, yes. like um, what Shantae?
0: Yeah, Shantae's and, them.
1: And um, they did that. Uh, I, I played. I I played. The entirety of that, um, Aliens game that they made uh, that was yeah, on, like, yeah. a DS. Um, right, and yeah. Yeah, they've done a lot of, like, side-scrolling kind yeah, of so stuff. Yeah, so they've
0: right? done, like, a lot of pixel games, yeah. you know, way back. Uh, they, you know, their big thing now is Shantae. Like, their, their kind of, like, flagship title, I think, has always been Shantae, but I think in, in recent years, she's kind of really taken, you know, her own, I right. guess. yeah. Yeah. Um, but so, they also do, like, they did the DuckTales game.
1: Right. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they see, also they
0: also have, like, a handful of, like, 3D titles under okay. their belt as well. Cool. So they're, they're a really well-rounded studio, but I think they're known most for their 2D work.
1: Yeah. So what did you... Okay, so you were in college for, for animation mm-hmm. and, and, you know, kind of saw that... Good lord. Saw that <laughs> way forward. I just said in my brain, I guess I just said it out loud. Um, but but you had that kind of opportunity because they would come to CalArts yeah. and everything. What was, the, um, what was the process like for actually, like, starting working with them? Did you, like, um, I mean, nice thing about going to the school for animation is you probably had a portfolio you could show them and all that kind of stuff. You know,
0: it's, it's funny. So there's two things that happened around the same time. And this was, like, May-ish of 2009? Okay. Nine, I think. And so, so two things happened. One was we had a uh, portfolio review at CalArts where, you know, everyone, all the studios come and, and look at your portfolio and reach out to you. So I had two people reach out to me. One was Family Guy. Family Guy liked my portfolio. Okay. And the other was WayForward. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, a a so, road diverged yeah, right there. Right? <laughs> but, um, so that happened. And then at the round, around the same time, I had... Uh, with with my friend John um, and our friend Paul Robertson, we had started a blog that had been running for a few years at that point. Yeah, and it was called the Visiblog and we just posted whatever weird shit you know we, yeah. we could come up with. And I think from that we kind of had a small following, one of which was uh, the producer of the Silent Hill series at the time, Tom Hewlett. Oh, cool. And around that time, he reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to work on the UFO ending for the new Silent Hill game?
1: Oh, wow. Which is completely,
0: completely out of the blue. It was Silent Hill Shattered Memories. Yeah. And, and, I, and was I love saying, Shattered Memories. That yeah, was yeah. It was, it was great. And I said, hell yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. my God, it could be part of Silent Hill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So so I did that, and that's then around, like so
1: out of the blue. It really
0: was like it was it was this crazy opportunity. That, yeah. That well, because
1: could... I mean, like, among other like, for for listeners that aren't aware, like the Silent Hill games, like since Silent Hill two, I mm-hmm. guess, right, Um have had the one weird Easter egg ending where yeah, 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 yeah. there's like in Silent Hill two. Uh, it's specifically like that there's like a Shiba dog that's yes. just like at a control <laughs> panel making everything yeah. happen. And they, there's always this one really weird kind of like you have to finish the game multiple times right. and all this stuff. So what was the UFO ending like pitch for Silent Hill Shattered um,
0: So, So they didn't want to tell me too much about like the context of it. Because, you know, I was still going to play the game. I wanted to be excited for the game. So sure. I kind of just drew a series of images that I didn't really understand. <laughs> um, but, but it was, you know, basically in the game, there's this whole uh, running theme, I guess. So you, like you're, you're in a psychiatrist's office and you're right. talking to the psychiatrist. Um, and the ending was that the psychiatrist was actually an alien and you're actually the dog. And, you know, so, so it was just, it was just stuff that, that when I was drawing it, it made no sense. Yeah. But I was like, I get, I get to be part of Silent <laughs> Hill. This great. Um,
1: that's really cool. Yeah.
0: So, so I did that. I, so that
1: was your first industry job. Yeah, technically. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be it's one so, of the weirdest first industry so weird. jobs. Around. Yeah.
0: Completely yeah. out of the blue. Like just a freak chance. Yeah. Um well, so, and, and yeah. I, I feel like
1: I, I'm trying to think of how I knew of your work first, and I think it, I think it was probably around that time oh, where yeah. I just like knew of your illustrations mm-hmm. online and stuff. Like maybe it, maybe it somehow is vaguely related to like Mega sixty four. Like you're oh, friends with right. those guys, yes, right? Yeah. yeah. And you have have you have you ever done stuff with the? You've like made some shirts for them, and stuff, yeah? Right? Yeah. Um.
0: So from the very start, like I met. Uh, well, I guess I would say I was a fan of Mega 64 like in late high school, which yeah. was like 2004, 2005. Yeah. And I met them when they did their very first convention appearance. And I went to the panel they had, and I said hi afterwards, and I was like, okay, bye. And at <laughs> E3, I, I, um, I was snuck into E3 nice. <laughs> in, in uh, I think it was like 2006. And I ran into Rocco there. And he recognized me from being one of the very few people at their ver- their first panel. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, and he gave me his card, and, and we just started talking, and I started doing some art for them.
1: Yeah.
0: And it kind of just, it, you know, grew from there. Like, Rocco's one of my closest friends now. Yeah. Um, and through the through the years, I've done just... Like, whenever they need some, like, weird art, like, on the fly, <laughs> like, something for yeah. a video, um, I've, I've done a bunch of that. And then, yeah, I've done a bunch of t-shirts for them, and, yeah. and just kind of been around you know for for whatever that's cool.
1: yeah well because I I feel like you know that is sort of that feels like it's all sort of wrapped up in like how you how you got into games as far as sort of like you I feel like you were doing a lot of stuff that was visible along different you know along different vectors like by yeah. yeah being kind of like Helping out with Mega sixty four stuff, or doing your, you know, like visual blog with Paul Robertson, right. and, um Forgive me, your other friend's name and John Kim, yeah, John Kim, who I blank on, um, and kind of like having this very, yeah, distinctive art that's kind of out there floating right. around, and then it started kind of being funneled into into the different projects that right, we worked right. on. Um, I mean, I, I think that uh, you know, the one of the one of the, the first things that people probably think of when they think of your work is, like, a lot of, like, very voluptuous, sexy women. Mm-hmm. Then you do, like, a lot of pinup stuff and right. a lot of, like, you know, sort of... I don't know, like, from, from what I know of your stuff, I feel like, left to your own devices, that's sort of, like, a lot of what your subject right. matter is or where you go. Yeah. Um, but also, obviously, if you look at something like um, Indivisible, mm-hmm. there's just this incredible variety of like character styles and and everything but like I think that maybe something that's the most interesting about that aspect of your work is I feel like it's very kind of like I feel like there's multiple layers where it's like it feels like there's a certain level of like confidence that you have to have to just be like this is what I'm drawing. Right, and then another right. level of that to be like, I'm going to put it out into the world. And like, this is like my thing. Cause like, I feel like a lot of your, your imagery is like, all, like almost a little bit aggressive, you know, <laughs> in like how pushed the <laughs> right, characters right. are and stuff. And also, you know, obviously it's like sexualized and it's right. sort of like being in that space. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, like what was, what was your, I don't know journey I guess I'm kind yeah. of realizing like this is the art that I want to do and then actually being like and I'm going to put it out into the world
0: um so I it's, it's weird I feel like it comes from like different places um from from the start I've always liked like horror and scary stuff um from the start I've always liked pretty girls yeah um it's just kind of some something that came very naturally to me yeah Um, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot of manga since I was super young, um, where, you know, a lot of what I was reading, like the main characters were girls and just like, I've always liked girls and it just kind of grew into this own thing. Yeah. Um, and I think just also, I I think I was like alone a lot and just like in my head. (laughs) Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, well, I mean, I feel like when you were talking about growing up and like, making comics and making art, like, I'm an only child, and I thought I was going to get into comics for a long Mm -hmm. time, and I did a lot of drawing all throughout my, like, upbringing and and into college and stuff, and yeah, yeah, I think a lot of that does come from sort of like, well, I'm here by myself, I'm thinking about stuff, what am I drawing? Right.
0: Um, I I think that the manga thing, like, I think I was exposed to stuff that was meant for way older audiences, you know, when I was really young, like, do you remember blockbuster used to have uh anime for rent mm-hmm. um so so like project eiko which was like i wouldn't it's it's not an adult show but when you're seven it's still yeah. older you know yeah. you should be watching um ninja scroll was something right. i watched really young so so there's like a lot of and like ninja
1: scroll is something that yes, like <laughs> that is
0: that is actually <laughs> like even when you watch
1: that as like a teenager right. or an adult you're sort of like Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so so it's just there's kind of like this mix of like the stuff I liked anyways but then also the exposure to stuff that was meant for way older audiences yeah. kind of just like I feel like I kind of grew up my not my tastes but just like the stuff I liked was yeah. always more adult oriented.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, what was your reaction? to stuff like ninja scroll and you're like a really small kid oh it was Was horrifying right everything would would be like traumatic practically oh it it
0: absolutely was but it was the kind of thing where it was like it was so scary that i couldn't stop thinking about it right and then the more you think about it the more you get used to the idea and it doesn't become as scary anymore okay um which which i think is is the part where it's like i was um i would spend a lot of time alone just drawing just in my own head and i think i would kind of for better, for worse, you know, normalize a lot of these ideas that I was, that I was seeing, um, which is, it's, it's weird because, you know, from there I would actually, like, I don't know, I guess I can say this, it doesn't really matter. Like I would start going on like horror, like almost like fetishist sites, like from, from very young. Um, I discovered like, do you know the site Mm rotten.com? Yeah. I remember it. Yeah. 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 So, so just like,
1: that was like the first place to just like shocking images post like fucked yeah, up videos yeah, and stuff yeah yeah, yeah so yeah.
0: so it's just like there was this weird like forceful exposure i was giving myself
1: right
0: um, to all this like really fucked up stuff and and so now i've, I've like it's hard because i i don't want to say like i'm immune to it because horrifying images are still horrifying but yeah. i think there's this part of my brain where i'm still intrigued by a lot of really fucked up shit yeah
1: um. Well and I feel like that because I, I think that's kind of worth noting as well is that like some of the the you know subjects that you draw are just like sexy girls and uh-huh. like poses and stuff but some of it has like 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 a horror or like gore right. or, or I mean it when you said oh I started going on like fetishist sites very young I'm like well, that makes sense yeah <laughs> like not not to the degree where I feel like like I would not, I wouldn't look at your work and be like, "Oh, it's like fetish art." Right. But I'm also like, I can see, like, how do I put this? A lot of I think that a lot of the the stuff that I can think of when I think of some of your illustrations, they feel very like psychologically driven. Yeah, you know? you're sort of like right. I have this picture in my head of this like melting slime girl, and it's like <laughs> kind of messed up, and, and you know, and yeah. it, it feels like a very direct link to right. the kinds of things. That, you know, people, like, fetishize or, or yeah. the, the place where that comes from for um, some people, you know? Yeah,
0: and I think there's, this, like, this mix of, like, I'm generally, um, like, I'm generally a happy, stable person. So I, I think there's there's this kind of, like, level where I push it, but I don't go too far into, like, I don't actually like seeing people miserable yeah. or in pain. I'm right. just intrigued by, like, the blood and stuff, and then I still right. like drawing really dumb happy things because right. I'm generally a happy person. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it's it's this mix of like I'm generally happy with my life, so I like drawing happy things, but I have that kind <laughs> right. of like this thing that like trails off and like, oh, actually, also I like really messed up stuff. Yeah. So well, I think I'm, it comes out in both ways.
1: Yeah, and and having, I think having that commitment to just like draw through it. And yeah. not, not, like, I mean, that seems like that must, in in some ways, almost be part of the, the influence of, like, seeing, you know, intense imagery early is, like, just kind of not being scared of, you know, the things right. that you are, like, starting to draw towards right, and just right, kind right. of going there or whatever. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Do you have, I don't know, do you think at all about, like, how your perspective as a woman... Applies to how you draw, like you know, women, or how yeah. you you approach how I, you're depicting I, your characters. And stuff? I think
0: it absolutely does because I try to to get more into the head, like what are they thinking, what are they doing. Um, I, I think the comment I see a lot about my art that I really appreciate is that it it's not just a brainless pinup. There's always a little bit more of a context, a little bit more of a story, and I think that's because I, I try to just put my own feeling into it sure. um, and I think maybe that's what, what people see that distinguishes my art from just a pinup is that I'm trying to get a little bit more into their heads yeah. um, and, and I think that goes back to what I was saying about like you know I like horrific stuff but I don't actually like seeing people being hurt or in pain Yeah. Um, because I'm kind of putting myself in that context sure. a little bit um, and I, I think, yeah, just, just like, I love sexy girls, but I don't like pure exploitation because I wouldn't okay. want to be in that position. Right. You know?
1: That's really interesting. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of, you know, like, what is the, there's a, there, there's a Japanese word for like gory girl drawings, right? Like sort uh, of, or, I, I feel like it's this term for, for like a genre of.
0: There's there's a um, well there there's the word guru, which is yeah yeah I think think it's just short for grotesque okay you know and it it just has to do with anything that's like weird out there you know generally gory
1: yeah I feel Um, like a lot of that stuff and where it kind of overlaps with what you're talking about is that some of those images are almost like almost more like clinical or something where it's not like here's somebody that like got all mutilated or whatever. Right. It's sort of like, here, here's this almost otherworldly image of someone who's almost, like, dissected or right. in, like, a weird yeah. state, but it's not, like, like watching the movies, like, Saw or something, right? Right, right. Yeah. It's,
0: like, there, there's a lot of images where I feel like you can tell that the artist is just getting off on on seeing someone else in pain, and I yeah. don't like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I, I just like the weird and the bizarre, you know, and I like... Um, weird clinical stuff, you know, blood and guts, and, and, you know, and I think that's, that's maybe what distinguishes my stuff, is that I don't, I don't get off on just seeing people in pain, right, Um, but I just like weird, gory stuff, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's
1: so strange how, how, like, so A, Allow me to apologize, dear listener, that the sexy girl police keep coming to try to. <laughs> we're, we're we're in a. They're <laughs> coming to get us. So we just
0: about to bust down the door. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're we're in a, an Airbnb that's like right in downtown LA. So excuse the sirens, but um, but yeah, um, it, it's it's so interesting how with any subject when you spend enough time with it, like you get into the nuance and kind of compartmentalize, like this aspect of this subject matter, or this imagery or whatever is what I'm drawn to. And I've mm-hmm. like made these distinctions between right. like this thing about it is what I'm interested in not right. this other thing that other people might do with it. Yeah, and yeah. kind of like lining that all up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you like, you've, you've like released your like sketchbook, sketchbooks and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So
0: I, I have, um, I've just kind of compiled uh, a lot of my, stupid doodles over the years and to i'm up to my third volume now
1: cool and are those just like available on like gumroad yeah cool. yeah
0: so you can find those on gumroad uh gumroad <laughs> <laughs> or, <laughs> or or
1: or gunroad yeah, possibly <laughs> <laughs> um
0: and and there are physical copies but i only sell them at like basically only i only sell them at anime expo now okay. because anime expo is local um you know, it's easy for me to get to, I don't, I don't want to like travel around with like a bunch of books and sell them. And then I was shipping them out for a little while, but it was just very labor intensive to like pack and ship and mail, you know, all all that stuff at home.
1: Well, I'm just always interested in, in artist sketchbooks, especially for people where I feel like even the stuff that they release publicly has a certain level of just like exposing their psyche, you know? So, um, I haven't, I haven't gone through the um, sketchbooks that you've released, but I would like to just because it, it yeah. sort of is like a, a look into the process of getting right. to an artist's stuff. Right, I, I cool. always
0: appreciate that stuff more—not more, but I, I'm more interested in. The thought process, right. you know, than the finished piece. Like, yeah. finished pieces are beautiful, and I can look at them forever, but when I see a sketch, it's like, oh, what was that person thinking, yeah. you know, as they were doing this? Yeah,
1: well, it's so, it's so interesting, like, I have um, one or two of uh, uh, Chris Ware released his uh, some, some volumes of sketchbooks, mm-hmm. and like, his style, when you look at a comic, is, like, very kind of, like, graphic design focused, and clean, and uh, geometric, and then when you go through his sketchbooks it's like just beautiful you know mm. ink hand-drawn you know like drawings from life and right. stuff and like yeah it, see, seeing those um those different kind of angles or or whatever of people's uh, process is really cool yeah um okay so so you you know you uh you were you were kind of working in these different spaces right. and then you got your first Real job after making the UFO ending for a Silent Hill game uh, at, at Way Forward, and were you doing? Is that um, right, so?
0: Or? So I had always freelanced up until Schoolgirls. So basically, okay. I think the timeline is like I did the UFO ending, and then around the same time, I started working freelance with Way Forward, and my first project with with them was a Barbie game really so yeah yeah. I think it was uh, Barbie and the Three Musketeers on the Wii and, and I just did wow. I think what it was is Barbie
1: and the Three Musketeers God. was a video game that got released yes that's crazy okay <laughs> what was she a musketeer in this fiction I don't, I don't know because there were actually like, four of them weirdly maybe, maybe she oh. was the fourth one and and it, and <laughs> Barbie and the two other musketeers. Wow. Okay. Um, Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm now just thinking like, well, it, <laughs> so it must have taken place at least in like Revolutionary France, right? Like it was like oh, a period. Of course, yes. Piece no, I, I have I no know. idea. So uh, okay. all I did
0: on it was, I uh, they they I think they had like a DS version. Yeah. And so I drew like the upscale UI art for the Wii version. Okay. And there was like a little shopkeeper that I just drew some cute like portraits of, nice. and and so. I started freelancing with Way Forward, and it was just a bunch of like freelance things here and there, like a little bit of animation, a little bit of uh, like concept art. Yeah. A lot of what I did with them were illustrations for game pitches. Oh, okay. Um, most of which oh, cool. haven't been made, so yeah, they'll never yeah. see the light of day. But it's like I, I've worked a lot with uh, Adam Tierney over at Way Forward, and um, he would, you know, they're they're constantly pitching stuff. Yeah. And so I would just come up with the concept art for for those pitches. Yeah.
1: And Which is really—I mean—that's kind of like a great way to be able to be involved, yeah, you know, yeah. and a great way to do pitches. I guess is like have a, a good artist just be able to be like, "Here's what this idea would look right, like. It looks right. like a really cool drawing." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: so I've done a lot of that with them, and just over the years, like I haven't worked with them recently just because my time has been taken up on Indivisible. Yeah. But just for a long time, just. Assignments, you know, here and there, lots of varied things from way forward. Okay, and then I guess so. While I was doing that, um, you know, I mentioned I was friends with Paul Robertson,
1: yeah,
0: who was around. I mean, I think it was still 2009. Like 2009 was kind of a big year. Um, he he was contacted to work on the Scott Pilgrim game with Ubisoft, right. and so Paul brought on John Kim who, right after CalArts, moved to Montreal to go work on it. And so he was full-time at Ubisoft, and I was still... Like, I took a semester off at CalArts, so I was a semester behind. So, like, I graduated a little later than everyone else. Um, And what was supposed to happen is that I was supposed to also move to Montreal to go work on Scott Pilgrim full-time after I had graduated. And then while I was talking with Ubisoft about getting my visa, like, you know, organized, uh, the project was canceled. Oh yeah, in in uh, just in the middle of the project, it was actually canceled for a little bit. Wow. Okay. And so um, they, you know, they couldn't hire me obviously anymore. Yeah. And so the project actually went through this like couple month limbo where it was like it was done, but then they were like, oh, actually, we want to try picking it up maybe with a different studio.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and I think. Like God, this is so long ago. So I might, yeah, I might be yeah. getting some details wrong, but I, I think basically it's like they tried pitching it around. No one would pick it up, and so they just kind of like brought everyone back on in like a more limited capacity mm. to finish it up. And they also um, had uh, the core team sent to Chengdu, the the Ubisoft studio in Chengdu, to yeah. to finish the game. And huh. that's the game that was released. Yeah. Um, so during all that. I was freelancing on the project when it was picked back up, Okay. but I was never hired full-time. Um, but I still did. Like, I had just graduated CalArts. John and Paul were living in Montreal, and I was like, okay, well, I'll just go move to Montreal. Like, I'm done with school. You right. know, why not? Yeah. And you can stay in Canada for six months without, like, any reason, whatever, tourism. Yeah, yeah. So, so I... Just moved to Montreal and I lived there for five months. Yeah. Um,
1: just oh, kind of yeah. freelancing
0: I, on, on Scott Pilgrim huh. and some Way Forward stuff. And then at the same time as that, <laughs> Skullgirls started happening. Okay. So, so there's yeah. like a lot of like overlap of like these different things kind of happening at once. Yeah. Um, and and I mean, I could just go into that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean,
1: like, well, how, how was Montreal? <laughs> I've never cold. been to Montreal. Oh, God. Yeah. Cold. Oh, you were there during the cold part. Yeah. Okay. I, I
0: was there from like. It was like January to May or so.
1: And it'll still be cold in May there, I imagine. Yeah. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah, it, it just started to warm up in May as I was leaving. But I actually did... You know, I mentioned that I'm generally a happy person. But my months in Montreal were some of my most miserable. Oh, man. Just because... Scott Pilgrim was a hard project. Because the the deadlines were tight. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone was, like, working their ass off. So what will kind of end up happening... Is I don't know if I'm revealing too much about everyone else, but like we we would like all you know weekends would hit and we would just go drink you know sure and, and <laughs> <laughs> um like this the team on Scott Pilgrim was amazing like everyone was really putting in their all yeah. into this project.
1: Well, that game um, was gorgeous, and it yeah. was like a really like good concept for the the tie-in with the film and the comics yeah, yeah. because like. But it was basically more or less like a River City Ransom
0: game. Yeah, Yeah, I I love it because, you know, there's so many video game or movie tie-in games that are overlooked, you know, because they're they're just kind of, they're farmed out a little bit, but I think the Scott Pilgrim game really stands on its own, Yeah, and it almost seems like a shame that it's called, I think the official title is like... Scott Pilgrim, the movie, the game, (laughs) it could just be the Scott Pilgrim game and you know, it stands on its own. Um, but, but yeah, during that time, like everyone was working so hard on it. Montreal was freaking freezing. And I was, I just hit this like really like low point where, um, the, the apartment that I was staying in didn't have a desk in the bedroom So I would actually lie in bed with my laptop on my chest, like, trying (laughs) would like, not even leave bed, um, just, just to work. Um, yeah, it was, it was a weird time.
1: Well, Um, I mean, it's hard. Like, so for my first level design job, I moved to Texas for six months and it was in a suburb outside of Houston. So it wasn't even like Austin or something. It Mm -hmm. was like... Uh, It's the kind of place where You really need to have a car And I didn't Uh, And also much like Your excursion to Montreal I lived in Texas From March To September And like had to walk everywhere So Uh, I was like okay it's like 95 degrees and 95 percent humidity and like i mean i'm by myself in just like an empty apartment you know just like for this job yeah yeah i I feel like i know the feeling (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's like like
0: like you're you're on your own for the first time in a new place everything's weird yeah it's 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 really just strange i think
1: yeah i had that yeah i had that like classic temporary apartment where it was, like, a one-bedroom apartment, because in that area they there weren't, like, studio apartments to rent, but Mm -hmm. it was, like, I needed about 50% as much space as I had, so it was, like, just, like, a mattress on the floor of the bedroom and then, like, my little, like, TV stand and chair in, like, the corner (laughs) of the living room and just, like, very much the, like... (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> like come back to this you know um, it, in some ways it was good yeah. and maybe that was true for you as well because like I, I got to like focus on stuff for yeah, a little yeah. while and I actually like watched a lot of like movies that i had been wanting to catch up on yeah, and playing yeah. stuff and like that's good but it's like the silver lining I right, guess right, right. yeah it's,
0: it was definitely like growing up experience just yeah. being out on your own for the first time and, and having to do everything for yourself and try to make enough money to pay the rent because yeah. you know when, when I was freelance like luckily our rent was really little so I could I could generally like afford it just fine but just there was that struggle of like oh shit I actually have to work for you know yeah make sure I can pay my rent and yeah. buy food and all this stuff um but yeah so so that was that was like five months in Montreal
1: yeah.
0: um during which time I was also doing a little bit of work on Skullgirls
1: yeah, how did so? How did Skullgirls start up, and how did you get involved with it? Uh, like from Montreal while you were working on other stuff. So
0: Skullgirls has existed in like Alex Ahad's heads for for like way longer than anyone else has like been aware of it. <laughs> yeah, um, and and you know he, for a long time, like I would I had been a fan of Alex's art for a long time prior, and just. It was actually, like, through John. John knew Alex and then introduced us and kind of just got everyone involved. Like, Alex had been making different iterations of Skullgirls kind of, like, for a couple of years. And from the very get-go, you know, he, he had this whole world in his head. He had all the characters. And he just, you know, he wanted to find someone to work with to actually turn it into a fighting game. Yeah. And um, so, so I think there were a couple iterations before I came on. But, um, when I came on, you know, Alex had been asking kind of just a bunch of his animator friends to kind of help out on this project he was doing in his spare time with, um, you know, who's, who's now our, well, who was always, I guess, the lead designer, Mike Simon. Okay. Um, and, and so while I was in Montreal, I also started doing just like a little bit of animation on the first Skullgirls character. Okay. And that was all just, like, I think Alex was paying a little bit just out of pocket. Yeah. Just, this was his complete, pure passion project. Yeah. Um, So that was a little bit of income for me. And then when I came back from Montreal, there was enough of a game there to start pitching it to people. Okay. So Alex and Mike kind of went around pitching just this one character prototype to different publishers. I think they went to oh god it's been so long I I think like Ubisoft was one of them I don't know if they went how many other people they went to but in the end um, what ended up happening is uh, Mike had worked with someone who had a studio called Reverge Labs and so Reverge kind of picked up production of the game okay and then this publisher called Autumn Games um, decided they wanted to fund it Hmm. So from there, I think it was, like, fall of, like, 2010, we actually got the okay to kind of turn it into a real production. Yeah. And that's that's where that kind of, like, took off.
1: Well, it's cool that you were, that you basically did, like, the first, like, animation test or, like, the the, the sort of, like, foundational, like, seeing how the, right. how the characters move and what they're, like, in motion and putting that in front yeah, of people and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because um, there were a few iterations before it came on, but yeah. they were all, like, sprite-based. Okay. And then when Mike was brought on, we could he had kind of this engine that he had been working on in his own time. Like, mm-hmm. it was... Skullgirls had existed as a concept and lore in Alex's head. And then Mike had been working on this engine in his own time um, since, okay. like, 99 or something. So okay. they, they just kind of, like, came together, and that's what became Skullgirls. Okay. Um and, yeah, so so I think in, like, fall of 2010, you know, we were actually hired full-time as employees of Reverge, and yeah. we picked up Skullgirls as, like, our, our project.
1: Cool. Um, so you were on Skullgirls, like, I mean, as a production from, like, the very beginning. Not as a... <laughs> clearly it was a thing that it taken yeah, take yeah, a yeah. long time to get but into like the, that, the, but, like... The,
0: the version of Skullgirls that's out, yeah. I've been part of, like, since almost the very
1: beginning. Yeah. How long... Did you guys work on that project before the, like, first version of it was released? Because I know you did, like, some DLC and right. other stuff um, like that. So
0: after. I think that was, I think it was out in 2012. Okay. So we were we were working on it for about two years. Yeah. And what happened is, so we, we put out Skullgirls, everyone was excited, it was great, we released a game. Yeah. And then we were all laid off, as is what happens <laughs> in the games. Sure. Um, and we knew that we weren't done with this game. You know, there was, there was so much more that we wanted to do with it. And thankfully what ended up happening is that autumn, the publisher was still behind Skullgirls just as an IP and they wanted to continue to support it. They just didn't have the funds to Mm. what ended up happening is actually that autumn got tied up in a lawsuit over a previous game of theirs Mm. that, um, basically just made them unable to pay for more Skullgirls because yeah. all their money was tied up in this big thing okay. over Def Jam Rapstar or huh. something, yeah. All right. um, and, and like, But still, they wanted to support Skullgirls just as an IP. Yeah. Um, so after we were all laid off, we kind of, like, floundered around for a few months, and no one ever really got any other real jobs, I think, uh, yeah. because we all still wanted to work on this thing. Yeah. So after a little while, we thought, okay, well, you know, we can make a new studio. We, uh, Peter Barthola, who's our CEO, um, founded Lab Zero Games yeah. and kind of brought us all back on. And that's when we put together and launched the first Indiegogo for the Skullgirls DLC. Right. Um, and again, I think because like Autumn still supported the game, even though they're technically the rights holder they kind of just let us do whatever with it. Yeah. Um, so. I mean,
1: that's a, that's a pretty, as far as these things great. go, that's oh, a pretty yeah, good position great, to be it's in. It's great.
0: So, you know, we did the Indiegogo and that was really successful, like really surprisingly yeah. successful. Because um, people
1: were able to basically say, yes, I want more school Yeah. Girls, and yeah.
0: Like, pay um, into it, it, right? Yeah. So we released four three oh three. Oh man, I forgot now. <laughs> four, four and a half, uh, new characters. Wait,
1: what's the half one?
0: Um, so the half was... There's a character, Miss Fortune. Mm-hmm. And we did a version of her that's like a just a robot version. It's called Robo oh. Fortune. It was based off... A, just a dumb joke. Okay. Um, but it was basically just kind of like redrawing her frames as like a robot version. Right. So it wasn't animating something entirely new. It was just kind of like an edit. Yeah. So that's the half. <laughs> right.
1: Um, well, so, I mean... There's a lot of different stuff I wanted to talk about. So, like, I mean, just uh, something that I that seems uh, interesting and that there must be a lot of like specific thought behind it is that um, for the the Skullgirls um, expansion and for funding Indivisible, you guys have gone through Indiegogo and not like Mm -hmm. gone through Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. for instance. Um, I don't need to go into like all the ins and outs of that, but like, what was that, that decision, like... Because, you know, I feel like right. for, like, schoolgirls, you could have easily been, like, we want to hit this Kickstarter goal, and then we'll do these new characters, yeah. or whatever.
0: I think a lot of it came down to uh, that Indiegogo took less of a cut.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and Indiegogo also has the thing where you, like, don't you aren't required to hit a specific yeah. goal to be able to use the money, they, right? They
0: do have that, but... But we didn't... I don't think we used that because, you know, if we're asking for 100 and we get 10... Right. You still can't make the thing yeah, and then we're yeah. just screwed, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so we went with Indiegogo just because they, they took less of a cut. Um, and... I think I, I don't remember if there was like an element of like maybe not wanting to get a little lost and like a bunch of Kickstarters do something right. a little different for sure um, well
1: it seems like it's worked really well for both of the times that you guys have done yeah, it yeah
0: we've, we've gotten really lucky with Indivisible we went with them again um, They I think they actually ended up upping the cut they take so it's the same mm-hmm. as Kickstarter but Indiegogo said you know because you guys were so successful on your last one we want to promote you more so we were kind of working with them a little bit more cool. directly um, and, and I think, I think that definitely did help. So yeah. we, we've, we've kind of gone with them twice now. Cool. Um, yeah, it was like crowdfunding is hard.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it seems like it. Yeah. It, I mean, I, 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 knowing uh, people who have, I, oh, haven't, yeah. I haven't been involved with the crowdfunding campaign from that side personally, mm. but it seems like it's, it's a lot. It's, 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 it's whole thing. I mean, yeah.
0: I mean, the first one, you know, we, we were so nervous about it going up. And I think, I think it hit the goal in, like, a day or yeah. something. Like, the, yeah. the Skullgirls one was super successful from the get-go. And we were, yeah. like, over the moon. It was amazing. And, and so, you know, we thought very naively, I think. We didn't think that we could replicate that success with the Indivisible uh, Indiegogo. But I don't think we expected it to go quite as well. Bad as it did oh, at really? the very start, yeah. Okay. So um, that
1: that one had like a slow ramp up. Yeah. Okay. So
0: so I think, you know, with with Skullgirls, I think it was successful because you know we'd already we already had a game.
1: Yeah.
0: We had a game that people liked. We had proven ourselves as a studio. We weren't like a new studio that was trying to make something completely out of left field. Right. Um, so I think there were just a lot of right things going for the Skullgirls um, IndieGoGo, and that's why it was so successful. Yeah for indivisible we thought you know what what's what are the mistakes we see other kickstarters making well one they don't have a proof of concept it's just kind of like some vague concept art you know we don't we don't know like what kind of game they want to make we don't know how much it's going to change and so we thought like well we should just make a prototype yeah we should just actually have a real um proof of concept of what this game should be, yeah. and what it's going to be in the end, and so we, we put a ton of work, it was, it was actually only made over the course of, like, three months, like, there was yeah. some pre-production before that, um,
1: but it, it was, like, a very small vertical slice, yes, basically, like, yeah. it, it looked and felt pretty, pre- pretty finished, like, or, you know, like, not finished, but you right, know what I mean, right, right. like, yeah. it wasn't, like, gray block, and right, missing yeah. assets, and there stuff,
0: was, there it, was, art. In battles, yeah. and platforming, yeah. yeah. That was I mean, kinda... it
1: it had polish to it, yeah, you know, and, and clearly, even if it was like the first version, of a lot of the stuff you were trying to put on screen, right. Like, so I, I think that, like, if I remember, I think that we we had kind of known each other just online, yeah, and ambiently yeah. for a while, but I feel like the first time we really got into more direct contact was around the indivisible yeah, thing because you I sent, sent you me the, the, the yeah. playable and like i played it and sent some feedback and thought it was really awesome yeah, so, yeah. Um, thank you by, yeah. Way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by, by all means no i mean like it was a really cool experience to be able to to see what you guys were right. doing and, and kind of where you were taking what you did um from Skullgirls to a lot of the the similar kind of draws of like you know a beautiful 2D visuals right. and like really um you know kind of like punchy uh game feel, you know, yeah, in terms yeah. of being like, oh okay, like I can really read these characters and what's moving and it like has that that feedback to it, but in a very different form. Where it's mm-hmm. not a it's not a one on one fighter. Right. you know? Um well okay so so but before we before we zoom past Skullgirls oh, yeah, too quick, sure. like what was that was that sounds like... So your your position on that was you were lead animator. Yeah. Um, did you work with a lot of other animators on it?
0: Yeah, so my job was basically... Um, in addition to animating a huge chunk of the game myself, I was also in charge of actually assigning our rough animations to contract animators to finish up. Okay. And so what ended up happening is on Skullgirls at the very start what we would do is just do the keyframes for all the animations and then we would hand those out to contractors to kind of add the in-betweens and kind of just, you know, finish it up with a little bit of direction. Yeah. Um, but what would end up happening is that we would get animations back with too many or too few or, like, frames in the wrong place that I would have to end up spending most of my time just fixing yeah. to actually make it work in the game.
1: Well, especially for something like a fighting game yeah. where it's sort of like this animation has to be 12 frames. Yes. You know? Yes. Every, <laughs> yeah. every
0: single frame counts.
1: Um, and, so, like, and, like, the hit has to happen on... The eighth frame, yeah. Be, yeah, all that stuff, yeah. Because right. like, I mean, be, I, there, there's like that. I feel like there was almost like a meme image I've seen going around where they they show the like hit boxes oh, in different yeah, games. Yeah, like yeah, the Skullgirls yeah. ones are like super I know. detailed. Yeah, they're super. Uh, and, but but that's the thing is like, it feel it feels to me like being an animator in games on a very like timing focused and like. Uh, 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 every frame of every animation in a one-on-one fighting game is like a hundred percent gameplay relevant. Yes, you know because like if you draw the fist a little too high, right. then it's hitting a different part of the other character. And right. if you miss right. time the animation, then that's the the timing of the 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 combat. And so all of those requirements and dependencies. That seems like it must have been. I would think that would have been like a really huge kind of like learning process of yeah. not just how do I make these characters look good and like move well, but all of the things, all the things you had to think about. Right.
0: So I think we were super lucky in that Mike just knows fighting games in and out, that right. they're just a huge part of his life. You know, he used to be a big, um, two player. Okay. Um, and you know, he had been working on this engine that's kind of based off of, of NBC 2 Marvel vs. Capcom 2 true Um, and and so he he was the one that really just taught all of us how to animate for, for the game he was envisioning and I think having his guidance and just knowing exactly what he wanted was a huge huge part of it yeah I don't think learning how to count frames and and just knowing where to place your frames and stuff like that is something that comes naturally to a lot of animators because I think you know when you when you're animating you're thinking of the overall motion and i don't think it quite matters as much you know where or like how many frames you're using as long as you're just kind of getting the overall point across but in games where everything is so like timed so specifically like every single frame matters yeah Yeah. Uh, and that's it's a challenge but i think that's like, it's a challenge that I really enjoy. Like, okay, cool. well, I have, you know, six or ten or however many frames to make this attack happen. Um, how am I going to make that work and also not look like crap, right. you know? yeah. Um, that's always been a, a challenge that I've, like, really enjoyed working, you know, in, in games for. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for, for sure, like, having Mike's guidance... On right. um, just kind of figuring all that out. He really just told us, like, okay, well, this is six frames. Yeah. You know, it has to fit on frame three. Right. That's yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Well, and it, and it, as you were saying, it seems like that would... Like, when uh, from from everything I've been exposed to, whenever you do any art outsourcing or you do, like, mocap or something, it's like a lot of it is just, like, clean up, fix, right. make it fit with everything else. And it seems like it must be extra challenging to be able to convey all of the considerations to like a contractor right. to make an animation you can actually use in yeah. a game like Skullgirls.
0: Yeah, so so what ended up happening is, you know, we would have the keyframes, we would assign them out and then we would get stuff back that we couldn't quite use. So we we ended up switching our process entirely. Hmm. So that what we do now um, is we animate basically as much as we can, like most of it entirely in-house. Yeah. Um, so so, just all the keys and all the in-betweens are done in-house because then we can test them right away. We can toss them in-game, we can get feedback from the designers and, and make any changes as we need. Yeah. And then that's what I send to our contract animators now. And all they really need to do is just finish the drawings. Okay. Um, so so we kind of keep all the, the thinking and the designing in-house yeah um and it's more work up front because we have to actually do the whole animation right you know yeah um but we try to keep them a little rougher so we can get them in game as quick as possible
1: yeah um it seems like it makes a lot of sense yeah on like multiple in multiple ways right sort of like if you're gonna have to do more work you might as well do it ahead of time and being able to like discover what the parts of it that you really just should do yourself are um it, it sounds like you kind of fi- found the the stuff that you know makes that process yeah, possible.
0: Yeah, I think especially in games, you know, you have to test right away. You just have to you have to concept something out. And you have to just see how it feels, you know, yeah. as soon as possible. And so that's basically what we did. You know, we 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 would test stuff that was almost like stick figures. You know, as, yeah. as long as it just like feels right, it hits mm-hmm. in the right place. You know, we can find out really quick. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's been kind of the key to making all the animations work, just in terms of like the workload. Yeah. Because you know, doing two D hand drawn frames is a ton of work. Yeah. Um, there's there's really not a ton of shortcuts around it. You just have to draw every single frame. Yeah. So I I think you know the key to us making it work and not creating stuff that we can't use, you know, just just wasting resources is just scribbling it out testing it right away and yeah. then, you know, bringing in the contractors to do the polish and finish yeah. and everything.
1: Yeah. That's really cool. Did, have, have you guys released very much, like, you know, like, whatever, like, pencil tests of, like, you know, the unfinished uh, oh, versions? yeah, yeah. Because yeah. so, seeing, like, seeing basically, like, the sketches fighting each other seems like it would be yeah. really cool to see. Actually,
0: we have done that. I remember we, we demoed, um, we were working on the character Big Band during during the Skullgirls um, development and we had brought that build to some I can't remember what event it was but it was it was just some event where we had um the build of Skullgirls at the time and Big Band was still Scribbles yeah and we got people asking like why is Big Band look, why does this character look like this he looks unfinished." it's like <laughs> yeah. well yes yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. he that, is that's exactly yeah. why in fact. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so we definitely have, like, a lot of stuff out there. I think it's pretty easy to find of, of just the game running with yeah. just scribbles, yeah. you
1: know? Yeah, I mean, well, because that's something that's, that seems specifically interesting about a game that is 2D and is also uh, made in a, like, relatively traditional way. It's not like you're actually doing it on paper and scanning right. it, but it still has the process of, like, you start from a stick figure or a sketch and then, like, you know, polish that. Yeah. And so, like, you know... Y- we see I, I think it's it's cool that we see a fair amount of people releasing like prototype footage or yeah, like here yeah. like like right now. Not when you're listening to this, uh dear reader, but um <laughs> it's it's October and level designers uh are are posting Blocktober images yeah, which are like yeah. and so seeing stuff like when a level designer from like Uncharted yes. posts like the gray block of the cliffs and stuff that you'll be climbing on and seeing those kinds of things, I think it's interesting to me as a developer. Anything is interesting to a lot of players to just see what it looks like before it's yeah, done. Absolutely. But like that in a hand-drawn game yeah. is—it's you know—you're not looking at like a, a, a untextured 3D model. You're right. looking at something that someone did by hand. Yeah, but yeah. it's a different version of itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the thing about games is that you're playing something, you know, and it doesn't yeah. really matter what it looks like. That's just up to you know the artist to decide. Yeah you know what they want it to look like but at its core you know you could make a fighting game with stick figures and it doesn't matter as yeah. long as it, it plays the way you intend it to yeah um
1: maybe it'll be the next uh game from the west of lowland guys <laughs> <The> <laughs> <last> <laughs> going wild. um uh what 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 would you say are i imagine that you i mean as a fan and then probably like for direct research you've looked at a lot of 2d fighting games yeah, like what yeah. are some of the games or uh character artists that have really inspired you
0: um so uh this is this is something i'll, I'll kind of go over like i've done like a bunch of like gdc talks and just other talks around um at different events and stuff but i think the ones that i always come back to are uh street fighter third strike okay yeah um uh dark Stalkers a big one like a lot of Capcom, yeah, two D sprite games.
1: When when I think of Skullgirls, and then when I think of some of the stuff in Indivisible, uh, Darkstalkers comes directly yeah. to mind for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: Darkstalkers is a big inspiration, just because they it's so cartoony. Yeah. You know, everything is like pushed in really weird ways. If you actually go through all the frames, there's like a lot of really funny stuff in there. <laughs> um, so so just going through that and, and seeing how they they made it work in game. You know, they, they play well. Um, you know they're they're essentially hand drawn. You know they're sprites, but right. they're still done by hand. Yeah. Um, and and just getting that character in there was just like studying all that stuff and just seeing how they did it was a big part of like just learning how to do it for Skullgirls. You know. For
1: sure. Awesome. So yeah, that so that that project it sounds like especially with sort of like the publisher thing at the end and then. But being able to self fund more of it, right, so like yeah. it was sort of a roller coaster. It yeah. Sounds oh like. god. Yeah. Um,
0: it's, it's been an interesting
1: journey. <laughs> but you're continuing to work with the with lab. I mean, you are yes. part of Lab Zero <laughs> yes. with those same people going forward, making another game. Yeah. So like clearly, you wanted to keep working together yeah, and like yeah. figure out more stuff. Yeah. To make. We.
0: I think we have a really good team. Awesome. Like I'm, I'm really happy with just like. We work together well. We all want the same things. Yeah. It, it's just like, you know, obviously there's disagreements or whatever. But I think generally we we are all on the same page with what we want. Yeah, and I think we're really lucky that we feel that way. Yeah. You know, um, so so I guess yeah. Should I just go on to, into indivisible? Yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, it, it sounded like you were well. The the starting point that like publicly I think that people started to know about it was from like the Indiegogo yeah. campaign. Well what was the process like of figuring out what that that game was gonna yeah. gonna be? I mean I feel like from my perspective there's a pretty clear or you know, like it makes some sense to me that it's like, oh okay this team could do like a sort of Metroidvania ish like side scrolling right. game and like that that scans for me, but like presumably I guess was that an idea that had similarly kind of like existed in some form for a long time or were you kind of like okay we're done with Skullgirls finally what do we all want to make right Um,
0: so a little bit uh, let's see I I think actually it was before we did the Skullgirls Indiegogo we were you know we had formed Lab Zero and we were kind of just doing different pitches for different studios and at the time I, I can't say what it was I don't think... No, I don't think I can. We were we were working on a pitch for a specific IP. Okay. Um, and it was for a brawler. Because I think going from, like, a 2D fighting game to, like, a River City Ransom kind of brawler, yeah. you know, is, is very natural. Sure. So Mike started working on the tech to, like, go from, like, a flat, plain background to, like, that kind of skewed so you can kind of walk up and down, oh, I got you, you know, yeah. um, the floor. Yeah, um, the,
1: the kind of depths. Yeah, the 2D yeah, fake yeah, yeah. Depth. That, that yeah, like, yeah. fake
0: depths. Um So we were working on... Uh, brawler pitch, it didn't pan out and then we did, you know, the Skullgirls and which, which did work out Yeah. so after that was all wrapped up we kind of took a step back and thought like, okay, well what do we want to work on next?
1: Yeah.
0: We, you know we can't do more Skullgirls we don't want to do a brawler but what's the one thing that everyone on the team would love to work on and that's an RPG um, because I think as much as everyone loved working on Skullgirls not everyone on the team could play Skullgirls. Like, right. I freaking suck at it. I'm terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I, I think we all wanted to work on a genre that we all enjoyed and actually wanted to play. We want to yeah. all play our own game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it it turned into an RPG. Yeah. And I think um, it's it's based off of the gameplay of Valkyrie Profile, which I actually have only played a tiny bit of. Yeah. But Valkyrie Profile has this blend of, like, kind of this platforming, you know, the platforming segments, and then the RPG battles, which yeah. kind of, you know, lends itself to our engine. Yeah. Um, so we, we started kind of just going from there. And the original concept um, kind of came from uh, Peter, who's our CEO. Um, so, so the whole idea for the game was not, you know, one person's, like, long-standing idea. It, yeah. was, it was actually, like, just done at Lab Zero. Um, and, yeah, we just we just kind of took it from there. We just started working on, like, okay, well, we want a Valkyrie profile like RPG um, influences. Um, Alex is a Filipino-Burmese. Mm. And one thing that we feel like we never see enough is a lot of, like, Southeast Asian influences and yeah. culture in games. So sure. Alex wanted to kind of use that as the setting. Cool. Um, so that was kind of like our, our base you know that we started building on top of and then we kind of have this theme of like we're kind of looking into a lot of uh, Buddhist themes and, and like a lot of the mythology like surrounding all that stuff so it's cool. it's kind of just like you
1: well, know what, like do what, wanna do, yeah.
0: what do we want to do what do we want to see you know well
1: and you know how, how would I feel like I have an idea of like the, the elevator pitch for the game but how would how do you just like how do you describe indivisible to somebody who doesn't know about it? Um... like, like am yeah. I wrong? I feel like it's you. You play this this like this female character, and then you basically have a bunch of like kind of like summons that you yeah. gather over time, and so you're kind of you have you start building up this cast of other characters with right. their own powers that allow you to like make progress. And um, stuff.
0: So I, I think so. The game plays out that your uh, you play this character named Ajna. Yeah. And you kind of go around the world, kind of discovering there's there's a truth to your powers, and there's there's a truth to like your history, is Ajna. And so you kind of go around the world, figuring that out, and then of course you end up saving the world because that's how these nice things. Work. Yeah, <laughs> good job. Yeah, <laughs> that's how these things go. Um, and and one of the the kind of conceits that we took was that Ajna meets these different characters that she can absorb into her mind. Okay, and that was actually kind of a way to like, you know in RPGs, like, you're, you're one character, and then other people will, like, come just at you, like, and yeah, like, and they, of like you just expand go back, out from yeah, yeah so it yeah. was, was kind of just, like, providing a little bit more of a dumb, like, context for right. it, but it, it's kind of, like, grown into this, you know, it's its own lore now, yeah, um, that's
1: and cool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it seems like, you know, from, from what I've seen... It seems like you guys, and since you're the the art director mm-hmm. um, on on Indivisible, as well as I, pr- I assume yes. a lot of the hours are doing the animation yeah, yeah. by hand on stuff. Um, uh, you're doing a lot of different characters, like yes. you know, I mean, Skullgirls had a lot of different characters, yeah. but in a different way. I feel yeah. like you're doing a main character plus a bunch of kind of party member characters plus enemies that you encounter presumably bosses and all that right. kind of stuff so there's a it seems like there's a huge variety to the 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 scale and type yes of, of different you know ways that you have to approach characters right. as an animator which seems like uh its own kind of like huge challenge
0: yeah it i mean that's that's been the big thing about this game like on Skullgirls, we would have Three to five, six months to work on one character, and the yeah. whole team was working on one character. You know, animation, wow. design, just the whole studio was focused on this one character. Huh. Um, I,
1: I like. I haven't thought very much about what the like process of making a fighting game would be like, but right? I, but I would not have said. I bet everybody just jumps on one character right. gets him done and then moves on to another one but that's it. really yeah. interesting I,
0: I think different teams do it different ways sure. I think you know I've heard that other studios will kind of like have a smaller team focusing on one that overlaps with the next and you know they're, they're kind of stacking yeah.
1: them
0: yeah, um, yeah we, we would generally just work on one character at a time
1: that must be really I mean at that point it must be really interesting to look back I imagine that once you were making the 10th character, you look back on the first one or two characters, and you're sort it's of terrible. like, oh, it the way that terrible. we did that, oh, or just oh, yeah. like, oh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, can't I can't... wasn't going there, <laughs> but like, but even just like, what you, what you learn from making each character pays forward, so you must right. have been like, making yes. the 10th character differently than the first or second, but you're not oh, going to go back and like, redo that, yeah, so, yeah. I don't know, that's so interesting.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, for sure, I mean, just i mean what i was what i was saying is like just going back to like the visuals it's like yeah. it's hard for me to look at the animations for philia which is the first character we did and then compare them to like eliza which is like the last character we did yeah. um yeah a lot of, a lot of lessons um learned along the way and yeah. like a lot of stuff that i actually wish i could redo just because i've learned how to better conserve frames and just how to i've learned to draw better you know sure. i'm just a better artist yeah. in general um,
1: I mean, that's a, like... No, we as can't. A, yeah. <laughs> we can't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's, you, you don't want to, like, George Lucas it, it oh, right. always yeah, just always keep going back. It. Like, it as far as everybody else knows, it's great. <laughs> okay. Oh, that works too um, but, but, yeah, I mean, gosh, I don't know. I, the, the, over, you know, in a year, as far as, like, you just saying, like, oh, I got better at drawing, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm like, well you already good at drawing. But then I'm also <laughs> like, in a year of like having this job, you as an individual are just spending like th- hundreds, thousands yeah. of hours like drawing, right? right and so right. like, even if you're all, you know, already a good artist, it's kind of impossible for you not to look back at something that is like a thousand hours of drawing right. ago and not have like
0: yeah. learned
1: and improved and even just like leveled up a little bit, right. you know, in that like, time. Like even,
0: even within Working on one character, you know, from, like, week one to week ten or whatever, um, you you just get more used to drawing that character, and it comes right. more naturally to you. So I think even just from the start to the end of a character, you learn to draw them a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, going back to several years ago is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, how is
1: the process different for Indivisible? Because you have so, much, so many more yes, characters all going on. Are you doing more of it at, that's, like...
0: The At the same time, um, or so we we are churning out new characters um, basically every three weeks. So so new playable characters three weeks. Um, then we have uh, okay. So we, we work in six week milestones. Okay. And for each milestone, we've generally been delivering um, two playable characters, two monsters, and two bosses. Okay. Um, so so in six weeks, we have to do all of that. Yeah. Which is very different than three months to right, for one character. Right. Is the
1: team size very different? Do you have um, more animators you're working with like on full-time on-site? So
0: for Skullgirls, we had two full-time animators, um, rough animators. We also have a lead cleanup artist. Yeah. Um, so on Skullgirls, it was just John and myself. And for Indivisible, we have one new person. His <laughs> name is Chris, and he's amazing. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a different kind of challenge because it seems like as soon as we start a character... We have to finish it and move on to the next. Yeah. Um, so we don't get that time to kind of get into, like, a flow of, like, learning how to draw them before we just have to wrap it up and move yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, each character has a lot less stuff they can do than a Skullgirls character. Right. Um, That's what I was
1: thinking. There's probably just, like, way fewer frames right. per character.
0: I, I think yeah. it's, like, if, if Skullgirls averaged, like, 1,500 frames per character, Indivisible's, like... 150, 200, okay. 250, something, something like that. So it's yeah. like a, a fraction of what they used to be. Yeah. But even still, there's there's something to be said about the time it takes to just learn how to draw a character and yeah. get comfortable with that yeah. character. Um,
1: how do you like. I mean, obviously, you don't hate it, or here's hoping. But, like, <laughs> like how do you like, you know, just like doing the work? You know, like, because I, I feel like, you know, a lot of your existence is just like be in the you know with the pen in right, hand. Right. you know and I when I mentioned that you know when I was growing up I thought I was uh, going towards working in comics and like I made comics you know when I was in high school and college and like in college I kind of got more serious about it I was like I'm gonna do like a full thing and, like yeah. pencil it and ink it and make it very finished and I think part of my realization that I wanted to go in another direction was just like Spending all those dozens and hundreds of hours at the drawing table, and kind of realizing, yeah. like, I don't like, I don't think this is the thing that I feel like I want to be in that space yeah. all the time. So, right. like, what is the other stuff? I know I want to do creative things. You know, blah blah blah. Right. But like, you obviously are a person where like you're just spending a lot of the time doing the animation. Yeah. Does that? I don't know. Is is that like a? a, a a comforting place to you or like what does it feel like when you're putting the right. characters on on screen
0: um so so i think here's the thing that's been different on indivisible you know on squall i was drawing everything and i would do some emailing you know and that, right. that was, it was either drawing or emailing <laughs>
1: yeah
0: um with indivisible because i'm i'm now art director lead animator and also i'm i'm the head of story oh okay <laughs> um cool. which i don't know if that's I guess it's sort of an official title. It's not on my business card, I yeah. don't think. But, but it's what you do. doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so it's it's hard, actually. It's hard on Indivisible because I am spread so thin. Yeah. Um, and I still... I, I'm not drawing as much as I did on Skullgirls. You know, most of the animation is done actually by John and Chris now.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and I'm, I'm still trying to do some because that is what I enjoy doing. Yeah but I think
1: well, and you're you're doing I'm sure a lot of or some amount of drawing when you're like concepting the characters and putting together like the turnarounds for them and stuff for other people to work on yeah
0: um yeah but but it's like I'm needed so many different places yeah that it it actually feels hard to like get anything done sometimes you know sure yeah um you know, like like environment needs some feedback on this, and then I gotta work with Mike to, to make sure the design works on this, and then we gotta work with level design to make sure it works with the story, and then I also have to work with the writers to make sure the story makes sense. Yeah. And we're kinda executing this thing.
1: Wow, um, you're really at the the heart of a lot of this game.
0: I I think so. It's it's weird because I feel like I am and I'm not hmm. just because when you have you know, your hands in so many places, it feels like, okay, well, am I really making an impact in any of them? Hmm. You know? Um, and I think I am. Yeah. I'm well, start- I mean, people I'm are coming, <laughs> coming to you
1: for the guidance on right, what these things should right. be. So,
0: um, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because I feel like I don't think indivisible is necessarily my vision. Um, hmm. I, I think it's, it's a very collaborative effort. I think a lot of the creative core still actually comes from Alex and, and, yeah. Um, a similar capacity as Skullgirls but I think it's um, you know we don't want it to just be Alex and Mike this time we want everyone to be contributing and coming up with ideas and concepts Um, I feel like my role has turned into just parsing through concepts choosing what we're going with you know making it like into a cohesive package and and stuff like that so in that way I think you know it's like I, I guess I'm directing it in the sense that I'm giving it a direction yeah. But I don't think it's mine, you know. Sure. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean that's fair. But yeah. it it'll still be a lot of you on screen in the final, right? Round, right. right? yeah. Like, I mean yeah, it, I it sounds like it's very collaborative. So yes, it's so yeah. like maybe it's good that you don't feel like it's just like it's right. my thing, right? right Cuz right, it's, right, it's right. supposed no, to be all. Right. Yeah. Your I, thing.
0: I don't think I don't think it's me going like do this and this and, this, and yeah. this you know it's like okay well we have these ideas how about we go with this one so it works with this other one yeah. you know and kind of makes this whole package
1: yeah. but yeah like Indivisible is really gorgeous uh, and I think that something that's interesting about it is yeah, obviously it, it, it shares kind of a, um, some amount of an aesthetic space with Skullgirls but also it feels like it's its, its own thing very right. much and to me, it feels very um, Ghibli influenced mm-hmm. and has more of that um, that tone to it. As yeah. far as like feeling airy and kind of um, I don't know, like was was that something that was conscious for you, or is that on target at all? Like I don't know, how do you think um, about about the look of the right. game? Right,
0: I think I think it was there was definitely a conscious decision to make it a little bit more accessible than okay. Snowgirls because I think. I love Skullgirls, and Skullgirls has a really dedicated fan base, and and people just love it. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, looking at it in, in like, a broader scale, I think the look can be a little polarizing. Yeah.
1: Um, I think it, you know, on some level, when you look at it, I think it probably tells you its intended audience. Right. You know, in some <laughs> sure, ways, sure. right? I mean, like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of cheesecake. Right, you know, yeah. It. And it's sort of like, I can imagine that some part of the audience would be like, oh, well that game's not for me. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's, that's, that's true fine. of any game, yeah. pra- practically, right. but like, it sounded like you wanted to maybe not be in that same position.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, we don't, we don't want to, like, we're not betraying the stuff we like, because we yeah. all love... Cheesecake, and there's still going to be cheesecake in the game, but sure. I think we we set out to make make a game that we want to play, um, that we want more people to play. Just just yeah. something that's a little like all around more accessible. Yeah, um, and and I think that was a pretty conscious de- decision. Yeah, um, and I, I think I think we're getting there.
1: Sure. Yeah. But we're getting there. You know. <laughs> um, well, like, how do you? I don't know. As a you know, as an art director and a visual art person, like how how do you come to? I want the game to look like this, and here are my reference points, or you know, my like yeah, my my visual kind of like pinboard for for where we're taking inspiration from.
0: Um, So so from the very start, uh, so I I think the main artists on uh, the team at Lab Zero it's it's myself, John. Um, now Chris, who wasn't around at the, like, the very early pre-pro stages of Indiv, um, Alex, uh... I just
1: got your internal... Yeah, yeah, no, no, the, no, yeah, it's, the not, in, a, it's not that, it's like, like five people, so... No, 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 yeah. I, no I just, you just breezed past yeah. like every, on any game, people have, like, a shorter word for the game than the game's name, unless it's something right. like Tacoma, for instance, where yeah, you yeah. can't really cut syllables, but I just... Oh, yeah, we, we, do, we just call it Indiv. Yeah, yeah. Indiv. i yeah. like, that's, that's, that's so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really
0: good. Uh, Anyway. Um, yeah, so, so we have, like, um, our team of basically five artists, and we all kind of work together, and we all kind of found the images that we liked, the styles that we liked, you know, the stuff that we saw this game being. And yeah. it's like, okay, well... Do we want the game to have animal people? Well, not really, you know. And then yeah. we were all kind of on the same page about that. And it's like, okay, well, do we want the game to look like, you know, kind of reference this artist or this artist? And, you know, we kind of went back and forth. Um, and so from the very start, it was actually very collaborative. Yeah. We Kind of, we're all on the same page of like what we wanted. Um, and then I think from there, that's when I started kind of taking it in that direction. Um, I, I feel like I'm only art director because I'm kind of the most organized. (laughs) Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with like setting my foot down and be like, okay, no one's coming to a decision. So we're doing this, you
1: know, which is great. Yeah. I mean, Um, like that's an important role to have on the team. (laughs) Somebody's got to make a decision. I know.
0: I know. Um, so I, I feel like that's kind of a big part of like why I even, I feel like I fell upon this role. Yeah. Um, but but even still, like, I, I'm just trying to, to find a balance of, like, what everyone wants. And from the very beginning, I think it's been very collaborative. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I think from the very start, we wanted something um, in a style that kind of brought something from each of us. You yeah. know, something with a little bit more, like, naturalistic proportions. The colors are a little bit more muted. Um, okay. The environment's look a little bit more painted yeah um instead of like super stylistic yeah um so it's it's just kind of grown from that into what it is now cool um and now it's my job do- my job to just kind of like maintain that vision yeah you know?
1: yeah um well you're like you're in the you're in the thick of things with with indivisible yeah. you're like right <laughs> in the middle of production or whatever right yeah. like you guys are just like making the oh my god game. yeah we're
0: just churning <laughs> churning everything out um
1: uh, well, I mean that's kind of like a good place to be at right it's Like yeah. where you know what the thing is yes. and the main job is to like actually be making it. Yeah. I feel like that part is more fun than either the beginning or the end. Like I feel mm-hmm. like trying to be like what is it even Right, is stressful and then trying to ship it yes. and you're like ah it keeps crashing at this part or you know <laughs> like why is it running so slow here or right. whatever is like also not the most fun part but when right. you're in the middle and you're sort of like we know what we're doing (laughs) we're doing it you know even if it is a lot even if you are like just knocking out characters like week on week you know Uh,
0: yeah it's it's hard because i feel like right now we're at maybe the the end of the middle you know okay um where we we have a lot of the core systems in place we have some core systems that aren't um it's like the game is playable the battles are, are, you know, starting to become like more and more fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we still are working on like our cutscene system. Um, we're still working on like our UI. So like a lot of the stuff that's surrounding the core game is, yeah. is kind of coming into shape just now. Okay. Um, so we're at this point where I'm, um, you know, we're we're looking ahead to the end of the game. Yeah. Um, and we're just trying to make sure we we can actually finish it on yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think. You know, my, my concern now is, like, we have all these parts, we have, we have good animation, we have monsters, we have the platforming and the battles, it's like, but like, you can make all these parts, but that doesn't make the game, you know? Right. Um, and, and that's kind of what I've been looking ahead to, is like, okay, well, how do we put all these parts together and make sure from start to finish we have a game, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, especially
1: on something that's like a like big like rpg scale game it's it's like hard to the scale has been
0: has been one of the hardest things yeah um yeah so so it's just trying to trying to look ahead you know make sure we're not forgetting anything and you know be like oh shit we didn't design ui for this whole thing that
1: we right you know (laughs) stuff
0: like that yeah just trying to look ahead toward the end but we're not quite there yet yeah um yeah it's it's hard i've never worked on something this big i've never had a role on something you know like as big of a role as i have on something this big right for Um, sure so it's it's i mean that's a huge
1: part of the learning process too right Is like how do you deal with different kinds and sizes of projects and how do you deal with this you know learn how to work well with different people in different roles along with the whole like how do we make a different kind of combat fun or how do we make it clear how the player knows where to go next? You know, those sorts of things, right? It's all, it's all, it's a lot. (laughs) It's
0: a lot. It's it's definitely a lot. Yeah. We've, we've, um, you know, one of the big differences now is, you know, we have like levels and environments that we have to kind of
1: create, you know, the whole thing. Instead of just like stages. Yeah. Instead of,
0: instead of a single stage we have, we have to make sure, um, you know, environment and level design and art, you know, all work together. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's even when cool. I
1: played the first prototype, though, I felt like that stuff was pretty solid foundationally.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like, I mean... I, I, think, I think Well, I think some of the stuff that I gave you feedback on was yeah, a little yeah. bit of that sort of, like... I, it felt to me like I should have encountered this before this, or, like, some of those kind of, like, right. minor readability things, but it wasn't, like oh they don't know what they're doing it was right. more like oh this is like solid i get this maybe a couple of tweaks and that yeah. was like the very first thing that you guys did right, so like right, right. i don't know that's a good sign yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: yeah it, it's just it's so hard to keep track of like so many moving parts yeah you know um it's like in addition to like environment level you know it also has to make sure it works with the story and we, we're yeah. accounting for like this cutscene happening here and you right. know, stuff like that um it's hard yeah it's hard it's yeah. of work
1: <laughs> also I mean what do you what do you picture like the longer term future for you being are you or do you feel like you're like you want the you know continuing to make games to be like your career and and you um, know like because thi- as yeah. an animator it's right. like you could be like at some point I want to work on feature films or TV right. or like other kind of stuff yeah I don't know. Um, like for, yeah, I th- sometimes I yeah. think of it in terms of, like, for me, I'm like a video game designer. Right. So I'm probably going to be designing video games, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know? But when I look at artists sometimes, I'm like, you could do a lot, you right. know, if that was your ambition.
0: I definitely see myself staying in games. Cool. Um, because I, I just enjoy, like, you know, I'm able to create art, which is just, you know, what I do, anyways. But I'm, I'm able to create art. But also, you know, work in a very collaborative space, work in a little bit more of a technical space. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy just putting this whole like machine together, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, like I, I'm not I'm not so into art that I'm just a pure, you know, free flowing just whatever comes out of my brain artist. Like I, I like the technical aspect. I like yeah. the problem solving and, and stuff like that. And I think, you know, there there's a lot of problems to solve in, you know, traditional or featured, you know, TV animation, but I think they're not quite the technical space that I really enjoy.
1: Okay. Well, Um, it seems like it must be something that's really cool about being an animator, for instance, for games, is that it's being applied to something very directly. Yeah. You know, it's not like, as much as the animation can be really cool, it's also not like, The end product, right? Yeah, when you're animating an animated film, the animation is the thing, right? right? But like, it it must be cool to be like, I'm doing all these animations, and you know that is what it is, and now I can pick up a gamepad and like press X and it makes my animation happen. It's like it's all flowing into this experience that is bigger than just right.
0: And and even even beyond the animation now is like. You know, I'm helping out working on the levels. You know, I'm putting yeah. together the levels a little bit. Um, I've picked up a baby scripting. <laughs> <I'm> scripting <laughs> right. yeah babies, you know, I can, <laughs> I can actually get my stuff in game. You know, yeah. I'm able to work with the designers and be like, oh, actually, let's, you know, this UI would be clearer this way. You know, like the, there's yeah. a lot, it's a lot more collaborative in a lot different spaces than yeah. just animation or art.
1: Well, it's so much of design and so much of... Because, I mean, what you're talking about is contributing to to design of, you know, the game overall. And, like, it's one of those weird things where, yeah, being a designer and being a good designer is much more than just, like, I've played a ton of games and so, like, I know what a good one is and how to make one. But, like, the flip side of it is, a lot of it is also that, (laughs) where you're just, like, like, if, if you are an animator or a 3D artist or a programmer or something but you have played a bunch of stuff and actually developed good design sense from that, then, like, it is kind of the discipline that most people can contribute to in a totally legitimate way. Yeah. Which can be weird-ish, especially on bigger teams, where you're sort of like... Well, like, story and and design are kind of the two things that everybody feels like they get to have an opinion on. And it's because they do. Right. Right? Because it's like we all... (laughs) experience the story of a thing and have opinions about it. And we all have played a bunch of stuff and have opinions about the the design. And so it's just a a weird space to be in because it's sort of like, you know, I can't really, you know, sit down and be like, actually you should code it like this, you know? But like (laughs) having that perspective of the team... The flip side of it is is that like you do actually get to draw on that perspective of the right. team and have more people say like, well, but well, what if we did this? And maybe that's something that you wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. And it comes from just everybody kind of having all of these different things they've played right. and looked at to be able to contribute. Yeah. Which is cool.
0: I, I think what's really nice about games is that pretty much everyone on the team plays games, you know, they and and all kinds of different games and they're they're all drawing. From different experiences that kind of amount to one thing, yeah. You know, um, so it's like I don't, I don't play um, like MOBA games. I don't play like Overwatch or, yeah. or, or League of Legends. But you know, we have people on the team that do, and they can draw from those experiences yeah. that, that'll make what we're working on together, you know, a better thing. Um, and and just we're still, even though we're playing different things, it's all in the same sphere, yeah. you know. Um, so I feel like we're always on the same page about like what we kind of want yeah. out of the game, um, and that's something that I really enjoy. That that there's just like such a strong like bond, you know, between everyone on the team. Yeah. Um, that I, I feel like you know, in other industries, you know, people can come from such different walks of life that maybe it can be hard to find a common ground. Um, and I think you know just. Having a, a team from different walks of life on your game is what's gonna make it a better game, but I yeah. think just having games is that bond. Yeah, having you know. a shared right. reference point. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sure. Just just like that's what I really enjoy. And I think that's where I see myself staying.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me about yeah, everything that you've you. done and, and good luck with the rest of development on oh Indivisible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> I know you. there's still like <laughs> a, a lot of it there, yeah, but so um... much. it's
0: too big. It's... So I wanna <laughs> say Next game I want to work on is going to be a little game. Very small game. I, I,
1: I know that feeling, too. Working on small stuff uh, is valuable yeah. uh, when, when, when you get the chance yeah. to. Um, but, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to when Indivisible uh, comes out. And that's going to be on PC and PS4. It
0: should be everything, actually. Oh, okay. I think it's, it's uh, Steam, Xbox, PS4, and Switch. Awesome. Yeah. That's rad. Hey. Okay,
1: well, thanks again, Mary.
0: Yeah, thank you.